happened with Mitch Trubisky, I can at least walk through and be like, at least we went for the guy that we wanted. That's fine. Mitch is a quarterback that we never wanted. You know, you saw... You guys before the show, a lot of people like this one as well. That's the one! That's the one! <laughs> Say this guy... John, you my man! You my man! I love this one! This one's a keeper. I don't care about anybody else. I can remove my team. That's a keeper. Go ahead, John. If he brought, if Mitchie, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> but he but seems like, so sweet at the same oh, time. Oh, he does. With his glasses, with his glasses, I get yeah. it. Also, voices from everywhere. And I always talk about this uh, for the fan, by the fans, for the fans. You know what I'm saying? And so you guys have a unique way of being able to do what you guys do. And I just want to tell you guys, thank you so much because I see you. If I see you, that means you guys are out there, and that's always Turn you on, as long as you're not going to be a Green Bay Packer. I'll have to put that out there. I'll have to put that out there. You can go anywhere else, hey, as long as hey. you don't go to Green Bay, we're okay. I know, I know, right? Now, I appreciate you guys having me and support, man. Honestly, like, I think... We're on this. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to remain professional and compose yourself in your God's sake. <laughs> This uh, this whole show is getting deleted, guys. Just so you, you know, it's not. It's, n- <laughs> it's never going to be on. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. We have a full house today. It's been it has been insane the last couple of weeks. As you can see in some of the the clips at the start, there we've had a couple of different draft show weeks. We've done all stuff to do with the Bears off season. We've got our guys back from the Under Center podcast. We have Kenneth Davis, Eric Strobel, and Alex Shapiro. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Well, Yo, doing great. Back. I feel like I'm on Hollywood Squares. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, look, it, it, it's been a while. We've had each of you on the show before. But look, before we get into the Bears, all that sort of stuff, I'll start with you, Ken. How's the offseason been treating you? Has it been, has it been good? I know you guys have been doing your shows when, when all the craziness was going down, but what's it been like since the end of the season? I don't feel like the offseason started for me until maybe like two days ago, maybe. Like just <laughs> now. And I'm sure these two, like we have still been in the muck for the last couple of weeks. So we've been just running and running. Like today was the first day I kind of just – Laid in the bed for a minute in the morning. It was kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm just going to lay here for a second. So it's been pretty busy. Um, just NBC has really had us active. Thanks for that. It's better to be active than inactive. Uh, so we've had a lot still going on. We really haven't found, gotten into our offseason rut just yet, which would kind of be interesting now since this would be our second offseason together as us three for under center. It'd be it'd be funny what we bring to the offseason chatter to kind of keep the podcast going. So to be honest with you, I have just been running like a chicken without his head cut off uh, still until like today or yesterday. Yeah, we, we don't have rust talk, man. Remember rust talk last year? Yeah. I mean, that just carried us forever. It was just like, what did Russ and Will, Russell Wilson do today? Yep. <laughs> Well, now instead of that, you have like Aaron Rodgers talk. <laughs> what was he doing or was he tweeted today? That's what it seems like <laughs> it's been going along. Oh, the glory days of Russ talk when we changed our profile picture for at NBCS Bears. And Ken, that was right when you joined us. It was it was a crazy time. That's almost we're almost at the one year anniversary, man. That's mm-hmm. hard to believe. I'm, right. I'm proud of what you brought to the show and what the show has become. And 
um that's going to be a fun anniversary to celebrate here in a couple weeks but yeah guys it's been um <clears throat> i echo that sentiment does not feel yet like the off season until pretty much this week for for me anyway in terms of the bears anyway um super bowl week media week was crazy a couple weeks ago uh we had one of our station photographers with our guy adam hogue um who obviously is the nbc sports chicago bears insider uh does awesome work along with alex on our on the bears beat for us um <clears throat> they were down or out i should say in los angeles just getting interview after interview after interview and it was amazing content and we were doing what we could to bundle it up back here and have ken track it and i was helping get it up on youtube and it was a crazy week in a good way um and now we've had this uh we have part one out of Ken's awesome, awesome interview with former quarterback, Bears quarterback Eric Kramer with part two, I believe, dropping tomorrow. A little tease there. Um, and that was just outstanding. But there was a lot of prep work involved with that. There's a lot that has gone on in his life that we wanted to delve into. So it's been it's been a lot of work. Ken's been doing a lot of heavy lifting, man. Let me tell you that he's been carrying us. Um, but, yeah, now it kind of turns into the – rhythm of the offseason right like okay we got the combine next week and then it's free agency a couple weeks after that and then we really get into the draft uh prep you know with a month or so to go into the draft uh and then after that it's just you know finding those oases oasis uh, oasis points in the uh in the long long run-up to training camp in late july so um yeah it's been kind of nuts for us but we're excited to be here and just kind of looking forward to the 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 exhale. Ah, you know, now that everything is kind of settled. <laughs> I know we have about what one week before before something happens. It's like you go straight into uh the coach and GM get fired. Then it's the whatever it was, two to three weeks of everybody going absolutely crazy about all these interviews that the Bears have done, and then they finally hire their staff. Still people going crazy about who they've hired, and now we're at the point of where like you said, Eric, we probably have this week to like relax <laughs> and then suddenly combine starts. Then we're into free agency. Then we're into the draft. It's been crazy. Alex, I guess the same with you. The one place I keep, I think I seen you in the last while. You've always been on the rush <laughs> every single time I click onto YouTube, whether I'm like clipping up something for it. I'm like, oh, this is on MIT. Our good friend, Alex Shapiro. How have you been doing over the last couple of weeks? Oh, I've been doing great, man. And there has been plenty to keep busy. You mentioned the Aaron Rodgers stuff and the Devontae Adams rumors and this, that, and the other thing. But I mean, yeah, there's a lot of groundwork getting ready for the combine, like you mentioned. Taking a look at the salary cap and saying, oh, yeah, the Bears actually have all this salary cap space. Oh, but wait, they actually only have 45 or 46 guys under contract for next year. So who are the people they're going to bring in? Who are the people that they could cut on the salary cap? So, you know, this is it's a fun time to kind of dig into the weeds and um, and I've enjoyed doing that saying, okay, uh, do they have a shot of signing Mike Williams or are the chargers really going to franchise tag him? Should they go all in on a left tackle and center or is the money better spent elsewhere? Things of that nature um, where you can kind of set up, okay, here's what the bears might do or here's what things could look like when the draft rolls around, when free agency rolls around, when they're deciding, okay, does Eddie Goldman fit into this 4-3 defense or how much money can we save by cutting him? So there are still plenty of conversations to be had and I, we've been having them and 
you know, everybody, everybody in this space has dug into those, dug into those conversations to a degree. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think where we'll start on this is go from the beginning where obviously there's been a lot of change that's happened within the Chicago bear circle. And look, Ken, I'll start with you. What was your first reaction to, I guess, both pace and Nagy getting fired? I guess there was a lot of people that were expecting this to happen, but there was, there was some people that are fearing that it wouldn't. Um, the fact that it did, it was good for us. But then how did you feel about, I guess, the process that the Bears went to to get their new GM and head coach? Um, hmm. I think initially I was fine with what they did, casting a wide net. Um, if there's any type of hesitation I have, it's on the fact that Ryan Poe's really, really have full – full control of picking who his head coach was, you know, like, and I, sometimes it's, it's kind of like you have to balance what the public wants and what the truth is as far as, all right, do we let Ryan Poles go out and interview some more people, even if he believes Matt Eberflus is his head coach, just so it shows perhaps that he has this power. Is that really important? So that would probably be the only thing that kind of was kind of like, yo, I don't know about that. Um, as far as firing, the firing of the head coach and Matt Nagy and the general manager and Ryan Pace, I think we all knew Matt Nagy was out. The question was, were they really going to clean house? So that morning, it was – and then it was, oh, man, I got to get ready to get on this call so we can go out and do this live show to discuss it, right? So, um, you know, it, 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 I, I was happy that Ryan Pace was gone. The process to me was smarter than the last process. One, just so you can get different people in front of you so you can perhaps learn their philosophies and what they think about you and perhaps what they would change and add that perhaps to how you move forward, even if you don't bring that candidate in. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm basically happy with it. But there, of course, with the Bears and particularly George McCaskey has been some missteps that always remind you, damn it, it's the Bears. <laughs> and I guess that's where it comes in. And I'll bring you in on this one as well. It's you want to be positive and on this show we've been quite positive kind of going forward and saying and we've said we're going to analyze things as they happen rather than kind of go crazy about something because that's what it seems like everybody on twitter has been doing um but what that doesn't sound like twitter to me but i think that's the balance right is that this deserves time to play out. Any new regime deserves several years at minimum because they have to kind of clear out what's there that they don't agree with or they don't like or whatever. And they deserve a few years to have a couple drafts, two, three drafts, two, three free agency periods to instill their program, both on and off the field and bring in the players to populate that program that fit their vision, right? That's something that both, the new Ryan and Matt <laughs> talked about in their introductory press conferences. Um, but it, that's, that's balanced with, so that, that need for an understanding for patience is balanced against the utter lack of the benefit of the doubt that this organization has. Right. So that's kind of where the duality of the situation lies for me is because under specifically under George McCaskey's leadership, which has been in the last decade or so, right. They've had some massive misfires at both general manager and head coach, to say the least. That's just, there is no disputing that. 
And while I agree with Ken, I, I liked this process a lot more than the dual process in 2015 when Ryan Pace was brought on, followed shortly by John Fox that certainly seemed like a veteran coach was foisted upon a brand new general manager that, and that just never felt right and obviously didn't work out well. I, I did like this process better. I, I did have initially some kind of, eh, is this really his guy? Doubts with Eberflus. Um but the, but that kind of I I was I was kind of uh, I, I I was quieted my doubts were quieted by it. some of the things Ryan Poles had to say I don't think he would have been as it would have been a pretty good acting job to be as convincing as he was to me anyway if he was really not about this guy and it was being forced together it certainly seems like they align in a lot of basic key ways um, I'm sure there's still plenty they have to learn about about each other as they go through the process here of their first off season into their first regular season, et cetera. But it, it certainly seems like they're aligned in their vision. And that's kind of what excited each of them about the prospect of potentially working together. Um, but yeah, I, I was okay with the process. I know some people were kind of calling out the seeming randomness of it. And why are we bringing coaches in for second interviews before we've hired a GM and all that good stuff. But it, it seems like, there was a method to the madness in some form. I did like that there was more. There were more voices in the room on the Bears side this time in each of those interviews. That uh, additional, those additional perspectives, I think, were very, very important. Um, so, again, we'll see. There's no way to know for years, which is in the, in today's day and age, it, it's tough for a lot of people to swallow in this instant reaction. I want everything now, world. Um, but I'm excited to see it play out. I, I, I like the, well, I like what they had to say, and it's easy to win that first press conference, right? Eberflus mm -hmm. was kind of just like coach speak. I didn't really, nothing really pinged for me with him, but I will say as a fellow, let's see, can I get a fellow BC Eagle? I was very excited about what Ryan Poles had to say. Um, <laughs> Just his philosophy on things, uh, analytics in particular, the things he had to say about analytics really um, made me excited. Um, bringing in an assistant GM, the first one the Bears have ever had, I think is very important. That was something I've been talking about. I think I talked about it last time I was on your guys' show. Just having more voices in the room, more 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 uh, minds contributing to the decision-making process, I think is only a good thing. So I, I'm, I'm okay where they ended up. It wasn't my first choice of coach, but – you know, he deserves a little bit of a chance, but I think the bigger hire was GM and I'm, I'm very excited about what Ryan Poles uh, might have, might have to bring here. I want to jump in real quick about the process also, just because the bears did clarify this about the timeline of it all. Um, Ryan Poles had told them in his interview that Matt Eberflus is a guy I want to talk to. And I mean, yes. Is, do you want to talk to all the GMs before you talk to the head coaches? Of course, but that's not realistically how it works. I mean, because there are other teams who are hiring head coaches who are not hiring GMs who are getting a head start. So you kind of have to do both at the same time. So when Ryan Poles says, Matt Eberflus is a guy I would want to talk to, and the Bears realize, hey, Ryan Poles is pretty high up on their list, they can go ahead and schedule that second interview, even though they haven't hired Ryan Poles yet. Um, that is also compounded when you realize Eberflus was a finalist at other places. He had been named a finalist for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you don't want him to go and accept that job if you think the guy you might want to be your GM wants him to be your head coach. So you say, hey, Matt, 
we can't, you know, offer you a job right now or anything, this, that, and the other thing, but we're definitely inter in interested. You are probably going to be a finalist or whatever. Please, we'd like another interview. Don't accept any jobs yet. We, we want to talk to you again. When you think of all of that, you know, as a true full process, I mean, that's why Matt Eberflus is scheduled for a second interview before they have ever hired Ryan Poles. And it's not like Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus just met each other that first time either. I mean, it came out, um, I forget in what reporting or if it was something that they mentioned, I forget how this came out. But it's, these guys have met each other before in the past at various combines or whatever. So they had already talked. They had already realized, hey, we have some pretty similar football ideas. So it's not like the very first time that they met was in that interview. They had a previous relationship, um, which just makes the whole process make a little bit more sense. And there's obviously the Trace Armstrong factor kind of uniting mm -hmm. the two of them right behind the scenes, which is interesting to think about that. One of those first reports was that the Bears were talking to Trace Armstrong about taking over the organization. And he said he categorically denied it, but it's pretty clear they probably talked to him and he gave them some ideas perhaps of ways they could go. And while I did obviously be, and for understandable reasons, be critical of George McCaskey a few minutes ago, let's be clear, he got his guy in polls. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people laughed at the the airport thing and his his outfit and the sign he was holding up, right? But apparently that mattered a lot to Ryan Poles, who easily could have been the Vikings general manager. Instead, he was scheduled to get on a plane the next day and go to Minneapolis, which never happened. So it remains to be seen if this works out, or if this is another a third failed GM hire in the George McCaskey era. But he deserves credit for getting one of the top candidates on the market to come to the bears and then get his and then uh, by all accounts get his guy to be his head coach so now we just have to let it play out but i did i did want to give him credit where credit is due on that front yeah i think that we all can give george mccaskey credit for basically completely blowing up the process you know it, the past two decades all we've seen is is GMs and head coaches that are being hired based on their, their strength of relationship to either McCaskey or Ted Phillips. Um, but, you know, even, even if it seems like the process was a step in the direct, right direction, it seems like Eberflus was this really polarizing um, decision for head coach. So, Ken, I'm wondering what your thoughts were on Eberflus. Um, would you have rather seen a more offensive-minded head coach? Um, do you think that... Eberflus shows the kind of characteristics in terms of, you know, um, trying to change the culture and and leading just an organization in general. Um, or would you have liked to see somebody, you know, more, more like Caldwell that was also one of the finalists? I wasn't a Jim Caldwell guy. And I, I know I'm saying that as the only brother on the staff and I have to come out here <laughs> and say that. Thanks, Corey. But I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, I no, didn't no. know. No, no, it's not, it's fine. Um, listen, I, one, it's always something with a guy getting his third job. And mind you, Jim Caldwell did his thing with the Detroit Lions, if you look at where they've been since he's been there. But to be honest with you, when he took over the job in Indy, for me, the clock was ticking because, one, he's a black head coach. And if you don't maintain a certain level, you're out of there. So I was I wasn't as big on Jim Caldwell. Um, I didn't care if the guy was if the head coach was an offensive or defensive guy. I more cared about how he was going to delegate the responsibilities on the offensive side and the defensive side. Now Alex on our podcast 
brought Matt Eberflus to us, all right? And all of Chicago, all right? Let me just put put the truth out there, all right? I Alex know. brought Matt. You <laughs> said that. I, I, I know, I know. You know I'm joking. But see, I, I, basically, I, and I would say this perhaps Eric and myself, but I'll speak for myself. I, if, 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 if anybody felt a blow from Matt Eberflus being hired, I didn't because when Alex mentioned him and talked about some of his qualities, I went and checked out his qualities, and I liked it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I like what I heard as far as, oh, there's a lot of Lovey here, right? And I hope he's mm -hmm. better than Lovey Smith. But to know, and one of the things that stood out to me was, I forgot because this defense is so talented, or when healthy is this defense is so talented, but the, 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 the lack of detail that's been there, right? So I started to think about having a taskmaster back in charge to where the little things are important. You know, th those little things can change a whole season around. So when looking at who it was, because I think the night before we kind of thought Dan Quinn was going to be the head coach. I was fine if Dan, Dan Quinn was the head coach. I, it wasn't going to be a problem. And actually on our text thread, we, I started sending little messages and images as far as nothing. Floose is gone. No floose, right? Between the three of us or whatever, <laughs> yeah. right? Because we it kind of, he, he kind of become like our mascot. I hate to say that about a grown man, but he kind of become <laughs> like our dude. We so, were beating um, the drum a little bit. We were beating the drum. We're Yeah, so for, 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 for me... I was fine with it knowing that the only guys who outside of Jim Caldwell, and I just said I, I wasn't a Jim Caldwell guy, so let's take him off the table. You had um, Josh McDaniels, which none of us really knew was he's truly on the market or not, right? And also, depending on how you feel about what happened with him and Jim Ursay at Indy, if you felt like sticking your neck out there again for Josh McDaniels. And last but not least, Josh McDaniels is like the, the new girlfriend whose ex was a billionaire, and at any second – you're waiting for him to call her up and be like, come on back, baby. And she scrams, <laughs> right? As soon as Bill Belichick retires, you can see him breaking bounds to get back to New England, right? And then Jim Harbaugh, which it, it always seemed like a setup with Jim Harbaugh, right? So it was like, all right, is he going to use us for leverage? Mm -hmm. um, how far are you going to go with the contract? Because I don't think people really thought about the contract that Jim Harbaugh was going to call for to leave Michigan and being stuck in that situation if he's unsuccessful. So again, to get back to the question, Corey, I was fine with Matt Eberflus. I didn't need an offensive guy, but I want a guy. And this is a, this is another thing that I, I talked about a lot on my show was people were afraid who the offensive coordinator was going to be because he was going to leave if there's success. I don't care. I, I want that success and then replace him with someone else who is confident. But again, to the original question, I was fine with Matt Eberflus. I didn't really want Jim Caldwell to be the Bears' next head coach. Yeah, I think, see, when we were talking about who was going to be the next Bears' head coach and Matt Eberflus had came up as an option, obviously. But I think, if we're all honest, certainly the guys on our show, we never thought that he was going to be the guy. Um, I remember talking about him going, you know, it sound, he sounds like a German dental product, you know, like, it's like, that, that, that's, as, that's as much as analysis that I'd given to it. And, and I apologize for that, Matt, I do apologize, but um, I digress. Um, but you're, you're, you're spot on though, like, because we thought about, you know, bringing in guys like uh, Harbaugh and, and Dan Quinn and things like that, because we thought, well, you know, regardless of whether they're defensive guys or offensive guys, it doesn't matter, as long as they're the best head coach. And the fact is that these guys have got that much kind of um, kind of footprint in the league and connections that there's a good chance they can bring in really good offensive coordinators, really good staff, and try and test the staff. So obviously, when Eberflus came in, we've seen that you know he's brought in Luke Getzey as the offensive coordinator that you know you alluded to there, uh, Kenneth. 
Um, obviously, everything's going to be based off of success with this, this team. Everything is always based off of success, but more specifically, how Justin Fields developed. So, um, Eric, I'll, I'll come to you on this one. What, what are your thoughts on Eberflus handing off the offense to a coach who hasn't called plays before? Um, you know, he was the right-hand man of the right-hand man in, in Green Bay. Um, um, obviously, the offensive coordinator wasn't calling the plays there either. Um, and, and based off of what we know about Getsy and the other offensive kind of coaches that were brought in, what does your gut tell you about what we could maybe expect to see from the offense moving forward? Sure. Um, I think it's a bit similar to when we were talking about co- head coaching candidates like, for instance, Byron Lefwich. And it's like, okay, intriguing, in charge of a great offense, but there's a guy above him in the hierarchy that is calling, you know, essentially has a lot of influence as well, right? Um, same with Hackett in Green Bay. Like Lafleur is the guy for that offense, as we're talking about with Getze here. So it's a similar question, right? But I think it's a it's a little bit better at a coordinator level than maybe as a head coach. If you're ta- if you're tasking a head coach with like turning the whole ship around, um, I'm very intrigued. Well, let's let's be clear here. It's a low bar to clear, right? Like <laughs> it's not like you have to be first in the NFL to be labeled a success. Like we'd settle for probably middle of the pack. That would be a massive, massive upgrade, right? Can you score 21 points? Again? Can you score 20 plus consistently? My God, like it's not that hard to ask, right? Or that's not that much to ask. Um, I liked what I heard from him when the three coordinators met the media a couple weeks ago and <clears throat> The one thing that really stood out from him is he said multiple times, this offense is going to run through the quarterback. We're going to do what he does well, and we're going to do it a lot. We're going to build off of that. And that's exactly what they did not do last year with Justin Fields, which was kind of mind boggling to me because it felt like that was Matt Nagy's greatest Avenue to staying was let's essentially let's use fields as a lifeboat essentially and show that we're the group that, should develop him and be with him long-term, no matter what the results were this year. If he pops, then we might have a much better chance. At least when we go to the table to decide our fates, we can play that card. And it felt like they were resistant to it for months. And then when it finally had to happen, they were running the Andy Dalton offense still. And it just was, it was a cluster. So I, I was very heartened to hear that, like that they, that gets in particular, was talking about accentuating what Fields does well. And a lot of what they had Aaron Rodgers doing up in Green Bay, boots, get him, move the pocket. Now, obviously, is Justin Fields Aaron Rodgers? No. He has a lot of potential, but he's not – like, let's let's not get crazy here. I'm, I'm as big a Fields fan as anyone, but Aaron Rodgers is on a different – in a different stratosphere. Let's be very clear. No matter what cleanse he's going on, I don't – whatever. <laughs> Mentally, too. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. That's a whole nother – that's a whole nother conversation. But just the fact that they're going to theoretically, we have to see it play out, build things around his strength. I'm very, very, I'm taking heart in that. And another answer that Getsy gave, he was talking about like, we're not going to, when we first get together in the spring for OTA, we're not going to be installing plays. We're going to be talking about concepts. We're going to be talking about philosophies and what we want this offense to be. And we're going to get that very, very base level stuff down. Then we'll get to the plays, you know, come July, come training camp or the second set OTAs, whatever, however quickly they move through this, this process. And I I like that because it, it, it definitely felt like too much of the time that Nagy was here. 
that they were just calling cool plays because they look good on paper. They weren't stacking concepts. They weren't setting things up. They weren't running this specifically to set up that in the third quarter, right? Like it just was a hodgepodge. So I'm very intrigued to see how this goes. I do like that Iberflus is very, very clearly delegating right off the bat. He's not calling defensive plays. I know we're not talking about the defense yet, but he's the, he made it very clear that he, that the coordinator, Alan Williams, will call defensive plays. Obviously, he's not going to be calling offensive plays. So I like that he is setting those boundaries very clearly now, whereas obviously Nagy was back and forth and back and forth and so on and so forth. So I, I, I think he has a lot of the tools to be a great CEO-type head coach. Um, going back to what you asked, Ken, defense versus offensive coach, I, I think the one guy I would have liked to maybe see them interview again just because was Brian Dable because of what we saw from Josh Allen in that epic playoff game against the Chiefs. I mean, he's the prototype for what you want Justin Fields to be in some form or fashion. And if the guy who shepherded him from looking like a real bust as a rookie to being MVP going toe to toe with Galactus out there. Like I would have loved to have brought him in a second time, but you know, they brought him in, they talked to him and clearly they didn't see eye to eye for whatever reason. And that's, that's fine. That's fine. I would have liked polls to talk to him, I guess is my point. Cause they talked to him mm-hmm. before polls was hired. So that was my one kind of quibble was like, yeah, that would have been nice. But in the past, I like that loafs are back <laughs> personally. <laughs> I always enjoyed that from the lovey days and you know, talking to, Lance Briggs and Alex Brown in particular about loafs was always enjoyable when we're when producing the football after show. So um, that's back. He's from the Marinelli kind of tree. He He's from University of Toledo. I lived in Toledo uh, for seven, eight years back in the day and was a Rockets fan. So that, that that's another kind of weird connection I have to these two guys. So I'm, I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for him. But I to wind up a very long answer. I like the delegation uh, and I'm very intrigued by what principles and structure gets he's going to bring to this offense that was severely lacking in both uh especially last year with fields yeah i think it was a huge win for in the press conferences that basically every single um well all the coordinators basically said we we are going to make all of our plans all of our schemes based on the strength of our players everybody you know all the reporters were asking what's your scheme what's you know what's this what's that they said we don't know we we need to get to know our players and we need to get to know their strengths and then our scheme and our plans will come and i think just after the naggy era that was just such a huge sigh of relief and a, and a win for us to hear that, to get those straightforward answers. Um, but going back to Fields, I think it was a, it was huge for them to ask Fields to speak at the press conference. Um, and Alex, I'm going to ask you, you know, Fields seems like he has these just natural leadership abilities. And in the past season, they were completely squashed. He was confused. He didn't know if he should be leading. He didn't know if he should be following Dalton. Um, I think it was very obvious that he didn't really know his role. So what, how do you think Fields will carry himself this year? And how do you think that's going to translate to um, hopefully his play and, you know, the rest of the team, the rest of the offense, when he can finally step up to this leadership role? I think it's going to be huge. And he made mention of that himself, that it's kind of nice knowing you know, day one of training camp, I'm the dude. And I can go into the huddle with a little bit more authority. I can go into the locker room with a little bit more authority. 
and I think that the players will probably appreciate that too. You know, everybody wants that leader. They want that person to look up to that person to take charge. Um, I think it's one of the reasons the rotating captains thing did not work over the Matt Nagy era. So having just set captains will probably also help. I, I forget. Did, um, did he mention, is that going to be a thing? All of these little I bites. I don't think so. Gotta go, I, I, I can't be. remember if that was brought up. <laughs> you know, that, that it's just another thing. It's just like, who are the leaders on this team? If you have 15 leaders on this team, you probably have none. Um, so having that role set out for him, I think will be helpful. I think him running the show from day one will be helpful. And hopefully it is reflected in his play. Um, the things that I hear from Luke Getze, going back to what Strobes was talking about, about, you know, everything about this offense is going to come down to and be built around the quarterback. Now, to me, that doesn't mean he's going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game, nor should he. You look, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, one of the best in the league, was not throwing the ball 40 times a game. He's throwing it just over 30. Um, there's probably going to be elements of a zone run scheme, right? Because it comes from that Shanahan outside zone game. And I think all of these things are going to help Justin Fields, right? He, he's made mention of that in particular. If we can get the run game going and if we can get the play action pass going, then we can protect Fields better. And if we can protect Fields better, then he's going to play better. Um, so they're kind of all interconnected. And I've gotten away from your initial question about the leadership thing, but I think that will be huge. And, and he has already said himself, like, yeah, I am looking forward to knowing I am the guy from day one. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's going to be big time. And let me just follow up real quick. I couldn't agree more, Corey, that the decision to have him talk that day to me spoke volumes about how the franchise thinks about him. I mean, this is a seismic day in the franchise's history. You have the chairman talking, you have the new GM, you have the new head coach, and you have Fields, the fr the franchise quarterback. And they didn't have to say anything about why they brought him out or what, but as soon as I heard he was talking, I was like, oh, because that was not planned. We did not know that that was happening until the day of or during the, the press conference or during that session, so to speak. And that was that was a big deal, um, and I thought he had a lot of things to say that uh, were pretty damning of his handling, the handling of him last year. And I've been really excited just to see what he can do on the field with a full offseason as the starter under his belt. We, we don't have to rehash what he may or may not have lost by not getting starter reps or any reps with the starters um, in training camp and OTAs and preseason and all that. But just the ment it was something that really hadn't occurred to me either until he was talking about was that mental edge that he can get as a leader, as as the one of the captains of this team with that full offseason of knowing that he's in that position. So it's a it was a great, great to hear him kind of talk to that and speak to that. And uh, I'm very excited to see what year two under a new regime with kind of a lot of things settled behind the scenes that were maybe very unsettled last year can do for this kid. Yeah, I think that's really important as well, because when we talk about fields as a whole, it's like this is where you need to kind of transition to because you look at this team and you have that young quarterback and now you need to build around him. So it is interesting to see kind of how that goes. We mentioned it earlier on with an offensive coordinator that comes in, there's really not that much expectation. <laughs> like get 21 points a game and most Bears fans will be happy. But Look, I guess this is where I come with my next point, and Ken, I'll bring you in on this one. What is your confidence level in 
not so much just Justin Fields, but I guess building an offense around him because we haven't been able to see really a successful offense in, in Chicago, probably. I'd say the best one we've seen is probably that first year of Mark Trassman, which is awful to say, but like we just aren't used to success. So now that we see that there's this hopefully a change in mentality about you look at the GM that we've brought in and you can see that he probably wants kind of nasty offensive linemen to be brought in, which in turn helps Justin. But what's your level of confidence going into this upcoming, I guess, off season or season that they can actually try and turn this offense around? One, my best offensive view was that year with Eric Kramer in 95, just to go back and say that. <laughs> yeah. Trust me, trust me, we was, we was like, I'm, I'm watching you. I'm watching, you know, it was like, maybe, let's see. But um, listen, it goes, this goes back to something Eric said. They don't deserve the benefit of the doubt. And unfortunately, that applies to people who have nothing, and I'm talking about Ryan Pose and Matt Eberflus, nothing to do with the past history of the Bears, all right? The Bears are like a plague. All right. Like you just it, it infects you for some odd reason. It gets a hold of you. And if you had any success in the past, it's null and void by the time you get here. And it really sinks into you. I have faith in Ryan Poles. This is I'll say this, too. When I saw I didn't know. All right. Since I get the Jim Caldwell questions, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But I didn't know that Ryan Poles was a brother. All right. And the reason I'm, I'm saying that is because of this. When I saw the list of candidates. And I read it the, the like the couple days before Ryan Pose was hired. My my thoughts were okay. Common sense kind of says this Kansas City cat should be the general manager. You know, just just looking at all the all the candidates and what they had been through, what they had learned. You know, what I'm saying regimes they have gone through. I looked at it and said, I, I guess the Kansas City dude makes the most sense, right? And this is before I knew he's a brother. Of course, I'm happy a brother got a job, but I'm not gonna kiss the bear's butt because they did what you're supposed to do if he deserves a job. Um, I have faith in someone who builds through the trenches, which is what you were implying as far as nasty offensive linemen. But I have a worry now that I haven't had a chance to talk to my guys about, and I was thinking it today while I was driving to go get my kids. Now I have to worry if what Ryan Pace was trying to fix and the groceries that he bought, that Ryan Poles doesn't want to cook with them. And then mm. it's like, oh snap! So we have to start. We have to start even further back. And I'm basically talking about Jenkins and Bora. All right, we have to start way back. It like, so one, are we going to go out and get a left tackle? And then the, my thoughts with that, of course, if you need, if you think you need that hog at tackle or center, right, then go get him. But I'm worried about cap money, right? You know, just mm-hmm. what, what Alex was saying about how many guys you have signed already. So now I'm thinking, like, I hope Jenkins and Bora work out. But then I'm like. I don't want Ryan Post to be strapped with something that he doesn't necessarily fully believe in. And that may be the reason in two seasons that hampers his success because he's trying to make it work with pieces that Ryan Pace brought. But to answer the question, I think Ryan Poles will, will draft well. So to, to, so I believe so. All right. I have to see it. Like it's easy for me to sit here. And that's the best thing about being in this position as a Bears fan, since we don't win Super Bowls. When you get a new regime, you can dream, all right? You can lie to yourself and be like, it's going to work this time. So at least – and but I'll say this. Ryan, Ryan Poe's – his pedigree gives me ease to believe that it, this may work, all right? So I'm comfortable right now. I have to see moving forward because I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm trying to be in a mode of unbiased when I look at the Bears. 
with Justin Fields and everything. I think Justin Fields' pedigree is well enough that he should succeed. I'm still going to wait and not let my, be blinded by the fact that I want him to succeed, that uh, I'm not necessarily paying attention to everything that's happening on the field. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. what's crazy, though? Sorry. What's crazy, though, Ken, is like we're not going to know if he drafts well for like three or four You're right. You're like, right. what if last year is the greatest draft class of all time, and it's Ryan Pace's players? Uh-huh. Like, looking back, like, oh, man, maybe they should have kept Ryan Pace. That class is <laughs> pretty good when they got Justin Fields and Larry Borum and, you know, and Kevin Jeff Jenkins. Jenkins. Yeah. And more got Khalil you know, Herbert. Khalil Herbert. And, oh, Thomas Graham is really good, as it turns out. Like, who knows? <laughs> who knows? You're right. But, like. You could be waiting for a while before we know whether Ryan Poles is a has, can draft. Yeah, look, look. I think what we need to do here is we'll pull off the bandaid on that offensive line because that's a really good point that you made, Ken. Because nobody actually knows. Like, do they believe in some of these offensive linemen? You mentioned two guys. You mentioned obviously Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum. And the one thing that I'll come back and say is that well, they're kind of cost effective right now, so it doesn't matter to a certain extent. But this is where I think the bigger question is, and we'll kind of delve into a bit of the free agency stuff here. The biggest questions now are going to be around the more expensive offensive linemen that are currently on the Bears. One is a free agent in James Daniels. Some people believe in him as as a player. Other people say he's been inconsistent throughout his time as a Chicago Bear, considering where he was drafted, and he hasn't been one of the kind of anchors on the offensive line. So it's it's an interesting one because and this point kind of came up on Twitter yesterday and I was thinking about it. And my main question about James Daniels is if the bears don't reach out to him to extend him, when you've brought in a GM that was a former offensive lineman, an assistant GM that was a former offensive lineman. And they've said that they want to have those kind of really tough guys on the offensive line and try and build that out. It tells you quite a lot about James Daniels and, we'll find out quite a bit about Cody Whitehair as well because it's not only do they like these guys, but then it's like, well, what position do they like them in? (laughs) Do they like Cody Whitehair as a center or do they prefer him as a guard? And the same thing for James Daniels. So look, Alex, I'll I'll bring you in on, on this one because I think this is a really important conversation because whatever the Bears do in free agency, I think it does start with that analysis of the offensive line. First of all, who they have now and then, do they want to spend in free agency on the offensive line or do they want to use some of their higher draft picks this year on the offensive line? Cause that's one position that really has to be fixed this off season. And it's a position that Ryan Poles made clear. He's going to address every single off season. You're really right. I mean, you can go down the offensive line. Every single position is a question mark. You don't know really what Borum and Jenkins are at the edges. You don't know how they view Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, if they're worthy of an extension. I mean, Cody Whitehair is like the fourth highest player on the team right now. Um, Do they think he's worth all that money? And then Sam Mustafer is also a free agent. He's like an exclusive rights free agent or whatever. So you can get him for pretty reasonable, but do they think they can improve at center? Um, What I would expect is probably some some moves right i don't know that they're going to go out and get a teron armstead i don't know that they're going to go out and get a ryan jensen like top of the line guys but maybe they do move on from a james daniels or maybe they do move on from a cody whitehair and do a little mixing and matching maybe they say you know what borum we kind of like you 
as a guard. And, you know, Tevin, we know you can play right tackle. We're going to throw you over there. And now we're going to go and spend on a left tackle. So I don't know that it's going to be the same five guys. I don't know that it's going to be this full rebuild, tearing it down to the studs and rebuilding it. But I, I do expect there to be some shuffling. And where that shuffling comes, like anybody's guess, is as good as anybody else's, really. Because we don't know how they evaluate these guys, and they don't know how how they value them, right? They could say, James Daniels, we think you're awesome, and you're really good. But he's an unrestricted free agent, right? So uh, he is an unrestricted free agent, isn't he? So yeah, he is. Yeah. If some team is going to say, pay him a, a whole lot of money, maybe Rainfall says, you know what? We're not going to pay you $18 million a year. Sorry. Thanks for thanks for your service. Um, or maybe they say, James Daniels, you know what? You've been one of the most consistent guys on this line, and you can play so many different positions. And consistent, I mean, he's been durable. Um, he plays left guard. He plays right guard. He's played center. Maybe they say, man, that, that versatility is something we love. We are going to pay for you. But now that we've done that, we can't really afford Cody Whitehair. Or maybe they say Sam Mustafer. We we don't think you're a center at all. Best of luck. We don't we don't know how they are evaluating and valuing every single one of these players on the line. So I mean that's a huge huge question mark. But having two guys that are former offensive linemen who clearly know the value of keeping the quarterback upright and have made it clear we know the value of keeping the quarterback upright. You got to imagine they are going to have their fingerprints on the offensive line in some way, shape, or form. Uh, this offseason, and it could come in both free agency and the draft. Real quick, yeah. real quick, I'll say this too. That's the reason you went out and got Ryan Poles, to be honest. If we, if the yeah. Giants, quote-unquote, we've heard rumors that they like James Daniels and they want to overpay him, you got Ryan Poles to find guard. And this is another thing too. I know guards are valuable. They're guards. All right, yeah. you're, you're supposed to be able to find a guard. I'm not disrespecting guards, but you you don't you're, usually you don't have to place a premium on there. So if if Cunningham and Poles are doing their job, and what's the point of coming in and giving someone $16, 17000000 million annually when either you can draft someone or that least gives you the option to go out and spend that money on the exact guard or center or whatever you want instead of giving it to James Daniels because it's easier to replace guards than it is centers and tackles. That's all I want to add to it. Yeah, I think I think both of you guys hit the, hit the nail on the head. And I think the problem is is what we're doing is we're evaluating the roster as if Ryan Pace is evaluating the roster and based on what he has done in the past. And we'll, Kieran and I talked about this in our draft show the other day. We could probably see Ryan Pace trading up in at the bottom of the first round and take a wide receiver. But going into the draft this year, we don't know what Poles is going to do because we don't have any any kind of empirical evidence of him doing this before or anything we can look at, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think for me personally, um, I know a lot of people have been kind of debating, um, you know, do we need to really kind of beef up the offensive line in free agency? Do we need to beef up the receiving core in free agency? What's the best way to go about that? For me, I think there's more, as, as you guys were saying, there's more questions on the offensive line than there are answers. It doesn't just stop at Borum and, and uh, Jenkins for me. It's, it's everyone. Um, and for me, you know, and, and you guys, obviously, you mentioned that there, you know, you've got uh, Armstead, who's going to be a big free agent acquisition for someone who I'd be all over. If you can get a start and left tackle and you don't have to worry about that huge position, for me, that that would be that would be huge. Um, obviously, center is going to be somewhere we could we could really make improvements in. 
But the question I had, um, uh, ask, ask yourself, uh, Eric, here, um, if you had to look at the situation and say, right, do I want to invest a ton of money in the offensive line? And as we spoke before, build from the trenches out because that's where these games, that's where every game is won and lost. Or do you want to go the route that maybe like the, the Bengals did this year? And they didn't really address the offensive line as much as we thought they were going to. We thought they were going to go offensive line with the first round pick last year. They went with the the, the kind of shit hot wide receiver, and it's obviously worked out great. But I don't think that's a blueprint for me anyway to kind of build from. So would 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 you prefer to kind of invest more money in the offensive line in free agency, or would you look to maybe try and take one of these kind of big big name wide receivers? Where do you think more risk is there? Well, I don't think the Bears are a receiver away. I think they're many pieces away from competing uh, at the level that they have stated that they want to compete at, right? Uh, I th- I think they have to build the foundation first. So I would 100% address the line. Try and do everything you could this offseason ahead of ahead of whatever's going to happen in the draft in this offseason's free agency to shore up your line and i don't want to rehash everyone's made very good points and i agree with most if not all of them a lot of questions um i think a guy like brian allen is really interesting local guy and would would immediately make the interior of your line a lot stronger obviously james daniels is a big question mark and i think it was maybe Kieran, I'm sorry if I'm misattributing it, but we're going to know very quickly what they think of James Daniels based on if they offer him an extension or not. Um, and I think that's what they're going to do because it's two offensive linemen running the personnel department. Now. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's just, you don't see what the Bengals did work very often. You know, everyone was mocking Penay Sewell or Sean Slater to them and they go and they get, Joe Burrow's running buddy from LSU, Jamar Chase. And it worked like gangbusters, but then you look at the playoffs and yes, they had a lot of success, but what ultimately did them in, right? It was their offensive line. And while they got very, very close to winning a Lombardi trophy, it ultimately let them down. And I'm not saying I'm not advocating that they should have done the other thing. Don't get me wrong. Like Burrow and Chase together are going to be magical for a long time in Cincinnati and they can now do what they got to do and shore up the line that it, that's fine. I mean, I'm I'm probably more of a in the draft in, in particular, take the transcendent talent when the transcendent talent is available to you, especially if your quarterback's throwing thousands of passes to him already. <laughs> um, but I, I think it makes a lot more sense for the Bears to address the foundation of their team, which is the foundation of their offense, which is the offensive line. Get that figured out. Figure out okay. Who's our center? Is it Sam Mustafer or do we think we can do better? I think he's been perfectly serviceable and he hasn't cost you anything. So he's been very valuable in that sense, but you could probably do better at center than him. The guards figure it out. Do you, do you like Cody and James Daniels or do you want to let one of them walk, keep what, whatever. And then, yeah, you have to evaluate the young tackles. And the good thing is, yes, they're going to be here. They're not getting rid of those guys. They'll have a, a year or two to kind of figure out exactly what they have there and where they're best situated on the line, etc., etc. The interesting thing with the whiteouts though, this year, at least, the, uh, a few of the top ones is that they're coming off injury. So we're in the Allen Robinson situation again here where you might be able to get a top tier talent at a discounted price than what they would have been. And it's terrible to think about this way, but they are coming off major injury. It's not great for them. It's not what they wanted, but that's probably what the market's going to be, right? You got Michael Gallup, you got Chris Godwin, you got DJ Chark all coming off major knee injuries. 
I'm sorry. OBJ too. Odell Beckham Jr. Sure, let's add him in there. All coming off major knee injuries. Now Beckham would not play next season, most likely. I would have to imagine, right? Like, I mean, he tears his ACL in February. I don't. Different discussion. Doesn't matter. You might be able to get one of those guys if you think they fit the profile of what you'd like to do here on offense, and not necessarily crazily break the bank. So maybe you can have a little bit of your pie, your cake and eat it too, right? Like we'll see, but I, I would certainly say go go offensive line and then figure out the rest later. You got to build from the inside out. Um, free agency is going to be very interesting for the bears this year because they do not have a ton of draft capital. So how they operate in free agency, I think will really be telling for what they're going to target in the draft. I think they, I think I saw a Warren Sharp tweet earlier today that they have the third least draft capital or the, the third third fewest picks in this year's draft so not a ton for ryan poles to work with in his first draft uh at the you know in charge of the board but uh yeah again long long-winded answer but offensive line and see what deals might be available at wide receiver there's always guys we saw it last year like you can find yeah. guys to fill in around darnell mooney um, you can see if you have anything. The only two wide receivers under contract are Darnell and Daz Newsom. You can see if you have anything in Daz Newsom. Darnell, I think we know what he is, and he's a valuable piece moving forward, whatever role you want to put him in. Um, you can find receivers, but they're they're not a receiver away from contending for the division or contending for the Super Bowl. So let, let's build that foundation and and go from there. That's that's my two cents. Yeah, I completely agree. The, the the one thing that I would say, and where I see this as a different scenario to what we saw with Alan Robinson, is Alan Robinson got injured in week one of the season when he was out. We even look at the likes of Gallup or Godwin. It was still towards the end of the season. So you may get them at a decent price, but you may not have them for the majority of the season. And that's where if the Bears are going to spend big on someone – I would rather it be either an offensive lineman or like a corner and then go into kind of phase two and phase three of the free agency pool and pick up some wide receivers that you think are going to fit in to the system. Because the one thing I've always said over the last while is you don't need to have the same types of wide receivers. You just need guys with different skill sets that can help out Justin in different scenarios. Like this is where I think there's a lot of question marks over guys. I've seen, We've had it in in the chat and in other kind of shows. We've spoken about guys like DJ Chark is there. You have Juju Smith-Schuster that's gone back into free agency this year again, who if we were speaking about him in his first maybe two or three years, we'd be talking about him as one of the top paid wide receivers. But then the last couple of seasons, he hasn't hit those heights. So then the questions have to be, is that due to maybe Ben Roethlisberger not having the same impact that he did earlier on when he was when he first went to Pittsburgh there's a couple of questions there but look I'll leave this out to the floor about you three guys in terms of when we just look at kind of the offensive skill positions or offensive line what do you want to see the Bears do do you want to see them maybe spend big on one guy and then kind of build out kind of a decent depth to where you're not having to force a pick in that second round where before what we would see is uh, we don't have enough wide receivers we're gonna have to try and get someone even if a couple of them have already been taken and then eventually you end up over spending your draft capital on a wide receiver which you probably don't want to do because we look at it and again we're seeing 
guys get drafted at the wide receiver position into the fifth and sixth round that are able to have impacts. And you're probably going to see a similar thing this year. So to, to any of you guys, what do you want to see them do on offense in terms of just true free agency? Do you want them to be those astute signings that maybe it's that kind of first real contract that they may get where you might see an improvement because maybe the guys like last year, the wide receivers thought they were getting all this money and then suddenly it wasn't there. Is that what you want to see them do? I know Ryan Pohl said he likes the kind of second phase and third phase of free agency, but again, we haven't seen them do it yet. Uh, me personally, and it's funny, I remember years back, I can't remember who I was interviewing but I asked him about DJ Shark, and this was around combine time. And I was like, listen, it's this kid named DJ Shark that is jumping off the charts to me. What do you think? He's like, oh, he's not going to be anything or whatever. It reminds me of a story that I did with uh, interviewing Hub Arkish about Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. And I didn't choose Baker Mayfield just to put just to drop that right there when I <laughs> pat myself on the back. But real quick, um, I would get, I would look at DJ Shark out of all the people that were mentioned because – Look at the rival receiver room as a group. Look at it kind of how Green Bay looks at it. You know what I'm saying? In essence, even though, like, right now Green Bay has someone who can be named the number one receiver. Usually they have someone who could be in the top five as their lead dog, but then they have, like, guys. You know what I'm saying? So you're not, you don't necessarily have to lock in, and if the defense takes this person away from you, you can go and move around the field. Now, your question on – it's interesting, your question. I don't know, and I guess this is what we'll find out. What does Ryan Poles think about this defense and Justin Fields' rookie contract? All right? Like, what, what, what is the path that he's going to go down? Is it, I'm new, I'm, gonna re- I'm just going to rebuild this team in the image of, that I desire, or is it, I'm going to rebuild this team, but I'm going to take advantage of the fact that they have these older players who I may be able to get one or two nice seasons out of before I have to get new ends. You know what I'm saying when I'm talking about Quinn and, uh, and Khalil Mack? You know what I'm saying? So I don't know how he'll go about doing it, but I, I do know this because you only have five draft picks. You have to build through the draft and free agency. So if you if there's one free agent out there that you want to spend money on, I'm fine, but I want to see moves like the Keem Hicks move. You know what I'm saying? I want to see like, Oh yeah, this guy has a trait, but you get him, and then you you can sit there and 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 get everything out of him that other teams necessarily couldn't get out of him. That's what I want to see them do more than just. And I don't, from what Ryan Post says, it doesn't seem like that's the avenue that he really wants to go down. The all right, it's good that he he can go down and looking for what Kansas City did this year as far as how they revamped their offensive line by any means necessary. But really, it's built through the draft and use free agency when needed. And that's I, I want to see how he does that. So I, I'm fine if they go get an offensive line. I, I do think you have to get a right receiver, too, because, yeah, you have Daz Newsom, but you have one receiver. For as of yeah. right now, until we know what Daz Newsom can do, you have one receiver and you have to build out that room. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sure you're going to get some late receivers, some guys that can play gunners or something on special teams. I mean, just think about what the hell is the special teams looking like right now if you only have 40-something odd guys signed. You know There's what I'm saying? There's nobody like, on special teams right, right. now. So, right. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how I, I'm fine if, he's, if he goes out and, and spins on one guy but still leaves enough room 
to sign the guys here that you want to re-sign, but also to find some gems of guys that you scouted in the past, either when they were in the in college or doing pro personnel that you looked at as guys, perhaps the Kansas City could have fit in their organization, but necessarily the GM didn't want to add that person at that particular time. Yeah, 100%. Look, I guess that's that's something that we want to see in terms of offense. Ideally, you bring in a guy that it could be in that second or third wave that you kind of hit landing in a bottle with, and then it's an easy extension further down the line, whether it be a wide receiver, a second tight end, or if it's a offensive lineman that maybe they're not expected to make a load of money in this current crop of free agency. But you saw what happened, like you mentioned, Akeem Hicks. He signed, what, a two, I think it was like a two-year deal with the Bears, and then suddenly has a phenomenal season, gets extended, and has been here for the last number of seasons that's ideally what you want to get the second part of free agency i think is important as we mentioned there's only about 40 something players that are under contract we also have this new defensive scheme coming in so my biggest question is what do you want to see eberflus do and look alex i'll bring you in here because there's quite a lot of defensive guys that were with the Colts that are current free agents so Someone is not having a good time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but in terms of the Colts, there's a lot of players there that are free agents. It, obviously, people will make the links with Eberflus and possibly bringing some of those guys in, whether it be even guys that he may have coached in Dallas as well at the same time. Um, what do you want to see the Bears target in terms of the defensive side of the ball in terms of free agency? Because... We have kind of the pass rushes there. You have Khalil Mack, you have Robert Quinn. You really only have one out-and-out corner that you can feel kind of confident in. So what do you want to see the Bears do with that side of the ball? Well, I think there's a lot, honestly, that they probably have to do on that side of the ball. Um, To me, it starts at the cornerback position because it was such a glaring hole to me after Jalen Johnson. I think we were all kind of universally hyped on Kendall Vildor and what he could bring and for whatever reason, that just didn't pan out. Um, whether Kendall Vildor can play better in this scheme is yet to be seen, and I think he probably you know, deserves another shot with a little bit more seasoning. I don't know that you give him a starting job right away, but you know, you keep him around, you see what kind of player he is, and Thomas Graham is intriguing. But with a, a guy with Colts connections that I'll throw out there, Xavier Rhodes, um, just played with him last couple of years. I know he is not the Vikings All-Pro that he once was anymore, but he can still take the ball away, which is important. And he's got that familiarity in this scheme. Another guy along those lines who is, you know, doesn't have the Eberflus connection is Casey Hayward, who also, you know, is really good in zone schemes, can take the ball away at a high level. Um, the, the one question is, does he just follow Gus Bradley around because he's played for Gus Bradley, uh, Bradley with the chargers. He's, Played Gus uh, with Gus Bradley uh, last year with the Raiders, and now Gus Bradley's with the Colts. So, like, does Xavier Rhodes go to the Bears, and then Gus, uh, Hayward go to the Colts? Who knows? Who knows? But those are two guys at the cornerback position, and then they also really need a slot corner. Uh, Duke Shelley, I think, showed he was a pretty good open field tackler when it came to run fits and things of that nature. But so many times the Bears got gashed over the middle, um, and whether it was Duke Shelley who was in and out with injuries. Marquis Christian wasn't getting a jump. I mean, we saw Eddie Jackson playing slot corner. When Eddie Jackson is playing slot corner, you know it's an issue. So they've got to they've got to fill that void. 
why not bring Bryce Callahan back? Bryce Callahan's a free agent. He's got a little long of the tooth and durability is definitely a factor. I mean, he's, he's, he's missed a lot of games due to injury, but like over the past many years, you're hard pressed to find a better guy in the slot than Bryce Callahan when he's healthy, maybe bringing him back to Chicago, bring back those good vibes. I don't know. Maybe he can stay on the field. So that's definitely a spot I would address. You got to figure out the three tech. Um, that is the DeForest, DeForest Buckner position for the Colts. That is just so important. And I wonder if Akeem Hicks can play that position. And I mean, like, I wonder, like, I bet he can. I bet he can play it. He is definitely bigger than the prototypical Eberflus three tech. I think he likes him a little smaller, a little uh, slimmer or whatever. But dude is so fast, even though he's huge, right? I mean, we've seen him running sideline to sideline, tracking guys down. And he also has the durability issues. He's dealt with injuries. Um, but I think it could make sense to bring him back again on a short-term deal if the Bears believe, yeah, he, he can fill that three-tech spot. And I, I don't see why not. The dude is a freak, and he's so, so dominant when he's playing. Um, and then just the last one is you got to figure out who's playing inside linebacker strobes. I see you want to get in there, and we'll get you in there. Yeah. But I'm just going to wrap up real quick. you got to find out who is playing linebacker besides Roquan after you figure out what position Roquan is going to play. I asked Matt Eberflus, yo, is he your will linebacker? Because that's the position that uh, Darius Leonard played. It's so important. He's like, I'm going to be honest. I haven't dug deep enough into it to tell you what position he's going to play. I just know whatever position he does play, he's going to be really, really good at it. So whether he is the Mike or whether he is the will, you then got to find out, okay, who's the guy that we're bringing in to play beside him? Is that a free agent? Is that going to be somebody that we draft with that second round pick or maybe that fourth round pick? Um, because the middle of the defense is obviously also super duper important. So yeah, now Strobes, take it from there, man. Well, I, I just wanted to shout out, you you ran it down. I wanted to shout out former under center host, our good buddy, JJ Stankovitz, who now writes for Colts.com. We talked to him before Eberflus got hired, but after or as he was interviewing for the first time to get some some intel on what he would bring. And it turned out to be pretty good that we did that interview because he turned out to be yeah. the Bears' new head coach. Um, and those you mentioned all three positions that JJ brought up as being the key positions in the Eberflus defensive scheme slot corner, will linebacker, three tech. And they have probably let's be let's let's just go on a limb and say Roquan is the will, right? They probably have one of those taken care of. The other two are massive question marks. So again, I don't want to run down what Alex just did. He gave an awesome breakdown, but to me, those two positions are really ones to watch. Because if they're set at edge rusher, they're fine. Those two guys, Mac and Quinn, are probably better in a four-three scheme to me than they would than they were in a three-four where they don't have coverage responsibilities. Now they can just pin their ears back and do the damn thing. Um, obviously, you need a second outside corner that then and a, a, another safety besides Eddie. But those two positions, the slot corner and the three tech, especially with the defensive line so much in flux now with the, that's probably where the transition from a three, four to four, three is going to be the most obviously felt. Um, those are the two to keep an eye on, but basically just wanted to shout out JJ for giving us that Intel uh, that led to that amazing breakdown by, uh, by Alex just now. 
that's not to undersell that second safety position. I'm glad you brought up the second safety position because that is important too, right? I mean, these guys are the last line of defense now, like truly in a big way. We're not going to see, I don't think, Eddie Jackson playing slot corner or really, you know, they'll they'll move some safeties up and down. They'll play some cover three. They will play some single high. Like we saw, we saw them do that a little bit with the Colts. Um, but for the most part, they're going to be the last line of defense. One name that I would also, I think we should throw out there is Quandre Diggs as just one of the, one of the best out there. Um, keep an eye out on him. Dude takes the ball away and at an unbelievable rate again. And we know how much Eberflus really, really values taking the ball away. And he also has familiarity in the scheme. Pete Carroll doesn't really run the same type of deal, but it's close enough in his like little four, three iteration. It's a little bit weirder the way Pete Carroll does, but I bet he, he can make that transition pretty easily. Quandre Diggs good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's definitely a, a good point. It's there's a I think what this shows is that there's a lot of aspects of this team that do need improvement. And you look at it both in the starting roles, but also the depth pieces. And what we did say about the Bears in terms of the free agency last year is that they brought in some nice depth pieces. You look at the defensive line, there are some pieces there that are still going to remain for this season. It's an interesting one when you mention kind of that tree technique because it was one of them that we kind of spoke about in terms of we needed, whether it could be through the draft, I wouldn't be mad if you get that tree tech in that second round because there's a lot of guys roughly where the Bears are going to be selecting that people are thinking may be kind of available at that point in time. The Hicks one is interesting because we you mentioned it, Alex. Can he do it? I think everybody said, well, yeah, he could he could play that position, could do it quite well. And the biggest question then becomes, can he be healthy enough for long enough to be able to do it in this defense? And that's that's I think one of the biggest questions. Look, I think the the last topic which we'll which we'll go into now, which I think is important because we've spoken quite a bit about the free agency side of things. And look, Eric, I'll bring you in on this one. When we look at the draft, this is one that none of us know what way the Bears are going to go because, like Tony mentioned earlier on the show, we don't have that evidence of what Ryan Poles likes to do. He may tell us what he likes to do. Like he's mentioned how there's ways to get more picks, but we know what these GMs are like. They're not going to tell you anything. We could think, oh, he's definitely going to trade down and then suddenly it gets to the end of that first round and, oh, the Bears have moved up. Like, we don't expect that to happen, but, like, we don't know anything that this team are going to do because we don't have that evidence. In terms of the draft strategy for this year, what do you think that the Bears should be looking at doing? Not in terms of just selecting individual players, but what way do you think Poles and Cunningham and all the kind of main scouts that are within that building should try and approach this upcoming draft when you look at it where we do only have five picks going in? Well, they certainly should not look at trading up. <laughs> they they yeah. just, they, they're not in the position to be giving away future draft capital. They need all the picks they can get. And we'll see if in the months to go before the draft, if they're able to accrue more draft capital, more picks, we'll see how this all plays out. And I think I mentioned earlier, like, how, well, how they operate in free agency, I think, will be very telling about what their draft strategy is going to be. So it's tough to forecast. But just generally, I, I think they're not really in a position 
to do anything other than take the best player available. They're just yeah. not. The Bears are not close. Again, they're not a wide receiver away. They're not a safety away. Certainly they have needs. And of course, they'll have clouds of players, whether it's a three tech or a safety or an inside linebacker or whatever, a wide receiver, whatever, what have you. Of course, they're going to take that into account, but I don't think they can pass up talent right now. They, they are talent poor as, as a roster. They don't have too many, if any, game changers, game breakers on offense. And they have the di- the difference makers they do have on defense outside of maybe Jalen Johnson are on the wrong side of 30 for the most part. So they, they cannot be too, in my opinion, honed in on a s- specific position or a specific type of player, whatever, what have they, they need to take talent and find talent that will help their team in whatever way that is. Now, does that mean take a quarterback? Probably not. No, <laughs> but no. because I, I think we all hope that they're at least set for the force, the, the immediate future on that front. And that's kind of quarterback in the draft is a whole nother ball of wax, as we all know, as Bears fans. But in terms of skill position or defense, they, they just need talent. They need to infuse yeah. talent into this roster however they can. And that might mean trading back to get more cracks at the plate or swings at the plate in the fourth round or the fifth round. Um, so that's kind of my hope for this. And I, I, I get the sense that that might be the route they go. It certainly will not. I would be shocked if they trade in the first round. Like they just, they're not in a position to do that. Now, last year it was a different scenario. Yes. Pace had already mortgaged away several future draft picks, but it's the quarterback. That's when it's worth it. That's when you do it every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Right. So I was fine with that. I continue to be fine with that. I will be very happy to watch round one on Thursday, April 20, whatever the day is and not watch the bears pick because we had that fields moment last year. Like that was worth it. I look forward to what he will become in Chicago, but they just don't have the band, the, 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 the resources right now to keep doing that. They need to work with what they have, maybe get, get a little more volume, if not impact picks, so to speak, in terms of where they are in the draft and, reload as much best you can and then go forward in the 2023 draft and beyond uh kind of just figuring out what is best for your team at that point but this draft in particular you got to just add as much talent as you possibly can that's that's how i look at it. yeah I, I think you're, you're spot on i think the problem is is a lot of people think that we're going to make dramatic moves this year and you know things are really really going to improve and this the thing though this is this is not going to get fixed in one year now we're not in total rebuild mode, of course, but you know we are in a kind of half rebuild in the sense that we do have a lot of spaces in the roster that they filled. We do have a lot of aging players. We do have a lot of contracts that have been pushed down the road and pushed down the road, and eventually that's going to come back and bite you uh, on the backside. But one question I would have, though, um, just to whoever of uh, you guys that wants to come in here, would be that for all we we know that we're not going to turn this around in one year, and and you know you know get to the Super Bowl or whatever. Can you see this team making dramatic improvements? Now, whatever you would consider dramatic, I'll let you kind of think of that yourself. But um, can you see making major strides towards, as you say, making a bigger impact in 2023 when we've got a bit more cap space, we've got rid of a couple other guys that are no longer going to be there anymore? Can you see us really using this as a stepping stone year and making those big improvements, especially in our younger players, like Justin Fields? I'll say this real quick. If Matt Eberflus is who we are told he is, 
just by holding their feet to the fire. And again, like I mentioned earlier, the attention to detail, you should improve this season coming up. Like they, they bears have some play. They don't have receivers. All right. I'll say that they don't have receivers. They need defensive backs. Take all of that away. I mean, even if you look at the offensive line, just think about this, looking at the offensive line, right? All right. Look at how it was this year. Think about how it was the year before. Do you remember the mess that we were in at the end of the the, seat, the prior season trying to figure out who the linemen were, moving around, quarterbacks getting killed? You're not in that situation. Do you have the answers? No, but you got a lot of bodies that you didn't have that can fill spots that you didn't have before. Brian Pace didn't leave the cover board barren. He did leave the draft collateral barren, but he didn't leave the, co- the cover board barren. So if, if Matt Eberflus is – Going to one, you they got if they keep them, they got ends. Like, let's be honest. And one the point that Eric brought up, they don't have to worry about coverage ever again. I mean, there may be sometimes like, hey, okay, I want you to drop to a zone or whatever, but still, primarily it's go. You know what I'm saying? Yes, it's, it's go. Pinier, go. It's from this time you're playing football, all right. Anytime a DC tells you, hey kid, and I play some in, don't worry about running anymore, just go after the quarterback. <laughs> Your, your eyes widen up and your ears <laughs> widen up. Like, it's just like, for real? That's all I have to do? Like, so that's all that they have to do. I'll say this, though, real quick on the, the drafting situation. They, As Eric said, they should take the best player available. But there's one thing they can also do in that. Some of the positions that you, they need aren't the sexy positions in the NFL anymore. One particular, you guys talking three technique. You don't hear people talking about the Warren Sapp, the Tommy Harris days, you know, saying like, man, you know, we got to get a three technique. You don't hear that as, as you would have 15 years ago. So you, there may be some, some, some nice, some nice bodies. All right. At, at the top of that second round where you can start transitioning that defense to where when those ends are either gone or perhaps are cut or traded or whatever, that you, that defense can kind of still keep humming. Uh, but yeah, I, to answer your question, Tony, I yes, you should look at the the season after as when you're really starting to get to humming. But if if Matty Rufus can take that defense to a whole nother level and they stay healthy and they can just get as you guys asked, which isn't a, isn't a tall task, twenty one points a game. <laughs> All right, we're not asking. Let's think about that. We're not even asking a lot. He didn't say twenty five or twenty seven. Twenty one. If you can get twenty five points a game and have a defense similar to how the Colts were playing defense last year, you should have a better record than you have this season. I'm not saying it's going to turn you into world beaters, but you have a quarterback with a lot of potential. Um, If you have really good coaching, I think you can get a lot more out of this roster than they've been getting. But this offense, I mean, this this roster has been hit by injuries too. I will add that too, but it had Matt Nagy running it and things weren't going well. My Kevin, you nearly you worried me for a second there because I thought you were gonna turn into Ted Phillips when you're saying, Did we get the quarterback right completely? No. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest is all there. Like that was the first thing that hits my mind. That is hilarious. I'm yeah. gonna I think this could be a playoff team. I think this could be a playoff team, no joke. Because there is gonna be an influx of players. There is gonna be an influx of talent. It will be a new offensive system that we we don't know but at least it'll be new and it'll be different and here's the other thing the lions are still really really bad in the division the vikings i don't think are really that good if aaron Rodgers leaves we don't know what aaron Rodgers is going to do if he leaves nfc north is wide 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 open even if he stays the schedule is going to be so much easier this year 
than last year. And I, there's always going to be that one team on the schedule that you think is a cupcake, and then they turn out to be a legit playoff team. Um, but I, I see no reason why the Bears can't make strides and be a legit wild card pushing team. I mean, look at how many bad teams this season were in the wild for a really long time. And I don't think it's unreasonable for, for the bears to be in that playoff push and maybe even like, Oh man, could they be a five seed? Who, who knows? Um, I think that's well within their reach. Well, and there's always the first year bump with a new coach, right? Like you see that a lot where a new guy comes in and it's just a new vibe, a new energy. And all of a sudden, Oh, we're 12 and four and we're the division champion, you know, like that, does that sound familiar to anybody? Um, <laughs> and just real quick to, before we move on, um, I think a lot of it just depends on fields and what yeah. strides he makes. If he turns out to be a dude and this year he's a dude, then who knows if you have a good quarterback, a lot of things are possible in the league, this league that maybe you didn't think were possible before. Um, and just to your point about the bad division, it's a, it's it's a pretty stunning uh, tilt in conference power too, Alex. Like the AFC is loaded right now, the NFC is not. So you you know, who knows? I'm I, I like to think of myself as an optimist too. I'm I'm maybe not as rosy of an outlook as as you, but a few things go right. Fields turns out to be awesome and awesome this year. Who knows? But. We got a long way to go before before that. <laughs> Bears yeah. should have knocked off the 49ers last year. I think we all agreed the Bears should have knocked off the 49ers last year. Oh, yeah. they went to the conference mm-hmm. champion. I mean, that's that's how razor thin they beat really, the Bengals. The yeah. Bears yeah. beat the Bengals. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I think you're you're spot on though because there is that there is that kind of framework there to build from. You know, we're, we were narrowly losing against you know quote unquote much better teams than us. And that was based on, you know, one bad coaching, two people being unhappy, um, and three not having, you know, players in the right positions and different schemes and things like that. So if you get if you get someone to come in and can get all those things right and can fix the fundamentals, never mind even bringing in like much better players. If you can fix the fundamentals, you stop the the penalties, you stop this, that, and the next thing. Those can make the difference in the games. And you know there could be a difference between losing by three points and winning by three points. Um, and at the end of the day, that's that's all we want to do. And if we get to that magic twenty-one to twenty-four point mark, then we're we're kind of laughing. But even if you look at Eberflus's um, uh, defense with the Colts last year, obviously you know we're the best in the league, certainly not the worst in the league either. But he's come in a situation in Chicago where he's got better pass rushers right away. So you know, and uh, that 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 front four is so important in the four-three scheme as well. Um, you know, if, if you get the three tech right, you get your nose tackle sorted. You know, there's guys on this team we've mentioned that could already be the answer there. Akeem Hicks could be the three tech. Bilal Nichols could be the three tech. We don't know. You know, it's obviously going to go through the evaluation process, but I think you're absolutely spot on. There is a sense of optimism based on the fact that for all the Bears have shit the bed a lot. At the same time, <laughs> we have been very, very close um, and, and ran a lot of really good teams really close as well. And it's just those little things that are stopping us from getting over the line. Yeah, I completely agree. I think one of the things that has been mentioned a couple of times, but I think it is really important, is that this team is going to look a hell of a lot different than what we've seen over the last two or three seasons. Like we said, there's, what, 43 players under contract. You have to add another whatever it is, 47 left 
to, to get up to that 90-man roster. So it, it is going to be interesting. Um, in terms of the way the Bears are going to build this thing, it's, it's going to be interesting because you can probably expect a lot of UDFAs that are going to come in because there's more prospects in this year's draft because of what happened last year in terms of guys getting more eligibility, things like that. And I think we, we had an agent on probably about, it must have been three or four months ago, and he was expecting probably three or four times the amount of prospects that will come out versus last season. So it is interesting to see what's going to happen on that side of things. Look, last question that I have for each of you, because I saw this kind of come up today, and it interests me to see what people would prefer to happen. We'll stick with kind of the offensive side is, would you prefer the Bears to use more of their capital in terms of their important capital, let's say the second round pick, some of more of their money on the wide receivers versus or the offensive line? So do you want them to build that offensive line around Justin Fields or build it to where you just have a myriad of different receivers that can help them out? Because we've seen it in two different cases. We saw it with the Bengals. You look at the receivers that they have, and it's one guy goes down and somebody else can come up and complete and make the plays. Or do you go for you build a very strong offensive line like we've seen in Indy over the last couple of seasons, and then you kind of mix and match different wide receivers. So what would you prefer the Bears to do? So, Ken, I'm going to start with you, our, our Ted Phillips in the room. So because we have everything else, don't we? We just need wide receivers. So that's where you're coming, right? The wow or Eric's face right there. <laughs> um, listen, you know what? I'm be honest with you. I'm uh, let's go full Jamar Chase, baby. And look, last year, if you asked me, I was at the, I was watching the draft, like, what the hell are the Bengals doing? And I'll say it, it gets goes back to what I was saying earlier. If Pose and Cunningham are who they're supposed to be, they're yeah. supposed to be able to find offensive linemen, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just the truth. They're supposed to be able to find them and ha- know how they're supposed to be coached up. If this is their expertise, their go-to. So you they, they shouldn't need to. Not to say that you still may not want to go out and get you a free agent because maybe you've missed on a draft or maybe this season you know you're so close. I'm not saying this season coming up. I'm talking about future seasons. You're so close that it's like, yeah, we can't wait for another draft. We got to take advantage of this window that you go out and really spend some free agent equity on an offensive lineman. But right now, I mean, how the league is built, if you get those offensive weapons, like, okay, I can put it like this. Don't we all kind of believe the Bengals are going to fix their offensive line because of the amount of cap space they have? Like, they're, they they're best players on rookie deals, right? Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow first, but they're on rookie deals, right? So chances are to me, it seems like now, and I know they've been the Bungles, but it kind of seems like they got their stuff together now. So I expect for them to do a lot of the things we saw Kansas City do as far as through the draft, through free agency, through trade, to go out because all they really need, their defense is good. All they need to do is focus on protecting Joe Burrow. Now, the Bears aren't there yet where they all they need to do is focus on one thing. But they're depleted of offensive weapons. Like, that's just that's just the truth of the matter. And what's going to happen, again, it, it, it's not that important right now. What's going to happen with David Montgomery? Are they going to pay him? So at one point, your best offensive weapon as of right now, David Montgomery, May be gone. Some people don't think he's special. I think he's pretty close to special, in my in my opinion, to be honest with you. I think they haven't used him. They just started using him at the end of the, the, the season before last, all right? Um, I said go out, and if you have a chance to really get a dynamic offensive weapon, 
go out and get it because that's going to help Justin Fields because you're not you're not where the Bengals were when it comes to offensive line play right now. And I'm not saying that yeah. you're I'm not you're, I'm not saying that you have uh, the, the the Cleveland Browns offensive line, you know what I'm saying, or the Colts line that you mentioned. But let me ask you this: Look at the Colts offense. I'm I'm I've never been the biggest Ty Hilton guy, and I, I know what they have. They have Pittman, you know what I'm saying? Pittman, I believe. Yeah. I know one of us definitely knows Pittman a lot better than the rest of us because of the school that he went to or whatever else. <laughs> All right. And of course, that's Alex. But like, in all fairness, they're not winning because of their offensive weapons. And how? what did that offensive line really do for them with Carson Wentz? You know, like if you really – I mean, their ass is at home. Did you see what Jonathan Taylor did this year? True. You're right. You're, you're right. You're right. But I'll say this. I think Jonathan Taylor could have done a decent amount of that with an average line too because he's Jonathan Taylor. But ha having an offensive line is great. See Emmitt Smith and the old Cowboys. You know, yes, you, you know what you can do. But this is the NFL, and yes – you 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 still have to play fundamental football, and that's win at the line of scrimmage. So I'm not I'm not trying to discount it, but yes. this league is set up for you to win through the air, and you need to start adding weapons when you have the chance to help Justin Fields because the people in charge are supposed to know what they're doing when it comes to scouting and 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 bringing up offensive linemen, in my opinion. Yeah. So my question on that thing, kind of, because one of the points that you made at the start, I think, it was really good because. We talk about the Bengals where they went out and got Jamar Chase. We see a lot of the top guys in free agency are, as we mentioned earlier, are injured, that you were expecting to be kind of that, I guess, first wave of free agency. You really only have right now where it's Devontae Adams and Allen Robinson that are kind of the ones that are still healthy that people were expecting to go in that kind of first day. So where do you think the Bears get there? kind of Jamar Chase, if that, let's say that's what they want to do. They want to focus on getting that number one wide receiver. Does it have to be via trade then? Because you're only getting a second round pick. Guys can fall, but you're not getting that same probably level of talent unless maybe someone like Chris Olave falls because some stupid condition like epilepsy or something makes them fall down the draft like it did with Justin Fields. Do you think it has to come from Damn, You said stupid condition like epilepsy. <laughs> Hold that boy right. I'm sorry. We, we have, for NBC, we can't let that just ride. We gotta go. <laughs> Apologies to all the epileptic sufferers. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. The, reason, the reason for that. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to explain myself here. The reason for that is the fact that people were saying that Justin Fields should fall last year yeah. because he had that and it never affected him at all. A well, stupid reason uh, like a condition. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Pretty Thank much. You. Thank you, Just make it. Listen, I, I got, I, I knew your intent, but we had to make sure that you put that out there. As yeah, far yeah as 100%. To answer, you out here like Ted Phillips now, but to answer your question. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To answer your question. Um, you can't, listen, regardless of what I want and my desires, I have to be a realist. I would like to see DJ Shark here. I can't say mm -hmm. that DJ DJ Shark has the potential to be a, a nice offensive weapon, but I can't say that he can turn into what Jamar Chase can can turn into. Now, and you brought up Olave, I, I don't. He's probably not going to be there. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that was yeah. one of the first things when the mic drafts first came out. He was the name I went looking for, and I'm like, oh damn it, right? Just looking yeah. at where he was going to fall, right? So what what you probably have to do is still build the room out, like I was saying earlier. So go out and get a, a nice free. None of the guys out there right now, like you're not getting Devontae Adams. Like he's probably going to get franchise tagged. 
It seems like they may run it back one more time. I don't know what the hell they're doing in Green Bay, all right? But but you still have to start setting it up. And then next year in the draft, try to go out and get that receiver. Because one, trade-wise, and I'm, I'm with Eric, they, they need to. And one thing, especially when you have a new regime, I, if, if drafting is your expertise, I, I'm all here for it and I'm ready for it. That's not to mean that sometimes you shouldn't trade and go after something. You have to know sometimes this is my window. I have to make this move right now. But we're at the beginning of this regime. I want to see what they can do in the draft and using free agency or trades um, at an opportunistic rate, but not like, man, we have to do it to kind of cover up some of the messes in the past. So I think if they do get a receiver that can one, uh, someone could fall to you in the second round. I mean, there, I mean, DJ Metcalf did what DJ Metcalf was a second round pick, I believe. Right. Am I wrong? Anybody? I think DJ Metcalf was a second round pick. So you, you can find these guys, they can fall to you. So if, if they see a guy that they really like and he falls to them, great. But I think most of us think that, especially right now, most of these guys, you, you got to kind of catch them in the first round. So you may have to wait till next year to go do it. But I would say, for the most part, hold on to all the draft equity you really can. And particularly when you look at some of the older players on here, you're going to have to start getting replacements for them and filling that depth so you don't wear them down. Yeah, I think... I think you're completely right. And and it's it would make no sense for us to trade up even if we were going for, you know, an Alave or a Bell or or something of that nature. Um, I'm curious, Eric, Alex, what are your thoughts on on you know draft strategy? Do you do you kind of agree with with Ken and what he's saying? Do you see maybe them filling something, you know, going for a safety, you know, if that if that's coming if you know, if the best player was a safety, I know you're talking about best player, um, but is, is there a move that would make you guys really happy? I'll jump in and say, yeah, I, I agree fully that they are in best player available mode just because there are so many holes. And I'm, I'm also going to tag right in on, on what Kenneth was saying, because I kind of believe the best way to acquire a wide receiver is probably through the draft. We're talking about all of these free agent wide receivers that have come up. DJ Chark is a nice player. Mike Williams, I think, is a really great player, but he might get franchise tagged. All these other guys, Christian Kirk, these are nice players. These game-changing wide receivers, truly elite wide receivers like a Devontae Adams, simply do not hit the market. And I do not believe that Devonte Adams is going to hit the market, right? Tyreek Hill, these these types of players, DeAndre Hopkins, the fact that he got traded is mind blowing. These guys really don't hit the market. Um, so what you got to do is, in my opinion, you got to draft them. And I think the Bears probably at that number thirty nine spot, if they stay there, probably could get a really really good wide receiver there. Um, for a lot of the reasons we talked about maybe the value of the free agent wide receivers falling a little bit because a lot of them have dealt with injury, right? Jamison Williams, ACL, that guy was going to be a surefire first round pick. If he's there, maybe you, you run the, to the podium to go get a Jamison Williams, George Pickens. He played a little bit towards the end of the season, but another guy who was just like a surefire dude, surefire first round dude now coming off of injury stuff. Um, David Bell, you mentioned Corey is probably in that second round, uh, area Jalen Tolbert. I mean, there are playmakers that 
could be available there. There are enough players that, yeah, a few of them are going to be off the board, but one of those guys in that range might be there, and that is probably the best way to acquire a game-changing wide receiver, whether you do that this year or next year or whenever, like Kenneth was alluding to, um, because the truly great difference-making wide receivers just rarely, rarely, rarely hit the free agent market. Couldn't agree more, and my final word is not so much about wide receiver or offensive line. It's more big picture. It's time for this team and this franchise to start moving their resources, whether it's money and free agency or draft capital, to take it away. The emphasis has been on defense for so long, right? That has to change. It's an offensive league. You got to start their cap allocation, so to speak. The percentages have been skewed toward defense for a long time, and it's heavily weighted toward the defense right now. That has to change. So however you got to do it, I agree with you, Alex. The game changers typically are just not available. You don't find them on trees. You got to find them and unearth them yourselves, right? And I, I, that would get me excited. Just adding offensive pieces some one way or another. Now, of course, you're going to have to draft some defensive players. You can't just leave the cupboard bare like Ken was alluding to earlier that Ryan Pace inherited. <laughs> um, but they got to get weapons. And while I am firmly, as I mentioned earlier, in the best player available mode, I hope it's best offensive player available. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, you know, we've, we've kind of covered it quite extensively here. We've got all we've got all our kind of ideas about how we'd like it to go, but really, until it happens, we just don't know what's going to happen. We don't have any kind of previous kind of anything to lay back on and say, yeah, this is what to expect from polls. So it'll be interesting to come back in, in you know, a month's time and, and look at what we've been doing over the first week or so of free agency, and, and obviously we can we can see where we go from there. Listen, uh, Ken, Eric, uh, Alex, it's been really good to having you guys come on the show. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, make sure um, everybody who's watching follow these guys, check out uh, everything they're doing. Do you guys want to just uh, give us a quick rundown of anything that's happening soon? The Combine, man. <laughs> are you are you running the combine, Alex? Jeez. I'm actually not going to the combine, but uh, Adam Hogue will be there. Yep. Kenneth Davis's part two of the Eric Kramer story. Look out for that. That's going to be good. And then we'll just continue to have fun, right? You got to have some fun in the off season. There's not That's a lot. That there there are definite uh, desert periods here that we're trying to wade through, and we'll just keep having fun. But really appreciate. You all having us on. It's always a blast. And it was fun to have the whole gang together instead of just uh, one at a time, which is also fun. But this has been an interesting, this has been an interesting, uh, a fun experience. Yeah. yeah. This like crossover event, right? This is like arguably as like, I don't know, as groundbreaking as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like it's <laughs> Civil War, right? I, I've got like Captain America Civil War and maybe right behind that <laughs> Irish Bear Show. And the Undersetter podcast, I cannot oh, believe it's 100%. This. <laughs> podcast assemble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> missing now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Maybe next time we can speak a wee bit further on our favorite paint glasses, as we were talking about before the, the show went live on the air. Alice has got his he's Kenneth's been there. It's, uh, it's the it's the off season after all. There's not much else to talk about. So anyway, uh, but again, uh, Kenneth, Eric, Alex, thanks very much for joining the show. Kieran, Corey, good to see you as always. Um, we'll be back uh, next 
Thursday, I think we're picked in for next Thursday, we're going to have uh, Thomas Scream Jr. Uh, come on the show uh, for a little chat about how things are going um, and the Bears next year as well. So um, until next Thursday, uh, just remember to bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.